Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mad Lit Musings. Today, we have with us Leslie Gould, who is an, and did I pronounce that right, Leslie? Yeah, Gould. Good. Oh, yay. <laughs> you are an author for Bethany House Publishers, and you write Amish dual time fiction, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your latest release. Okay. My latest release is Threads of Hope. And it's about a young woman named Tally. This is the contemporary thread. And she's a caregiver for her mother um, who's had some strokes and, you know, other issues. And Tally has dreams of being a teacher. She loves to run. She'd like to travel someday, but she is confined at home. And her only outing is to go to Plain Patterns, which is a quilt shop owned by Jane Berger. So Tally has a next door neighbor who's what the Amish call English. So she's non-Amish, but she grew up Mennonite. So she was playing at one time. And um, the neighbor's name is Danielle. And Danielle was in the army and is out now and suffers from PTSD. Mm -hmm. And Danielle's brother, Keenan, asked Tally if she can help with Danielle, just kind of keep an eye on her, which Tally feels totally inadequate to do and feels like she has enough of her own problems. And Danielle seems to be pretty high drama, which, you know, Tally is, uh, you know, kind of scared about getting involved in, but she does invite Danielle to the quilt shop. And Jane starts to tell a story that's set during World War One and the pandemic of 1918. And I chose to write about this before our own pandemic. Our own pandemic. (laughs) Writing the story during the pandemic, which was quite a hoot. Um, So so through the story that Jane tells, uh, Tally starts to figure out ways that she can help Danielle. And the in the historical thread, there's Amos, and he's he's Amish and he ends up joining the army uh, and goes off and ends up fighting. And when he joins, he thinks, oh, the war will be over in a few months. I'll never have to do this. And he just joins because as a soldier, he has better accommodations than as a conscientious objector. Mm-hmm. And so Katie in the historical thread is his neighbor. And she takes care of people during the pandemic. And then she has to try to figure out how to take care of Amos when he comes home. So, you know, just a lot about, you know, loving your neighbor, um, having hope. So threads of hope, the title, you know, is part of the theme, having hope, but also, um, you know, the threads of the historical and the contemporary being woven Mm -hmm. together. And learning about hope from the past and from what other people have gone through, which was perfect for me writing it during the pandemic. My grandparents all lived through, you know, the World War I time period and the pandemic of 1918. My father was a World War II soldier, fought in Europe, yeah. came home with PTSD, which we didn't realize until probably the 1990s. Wow. You know? And, you know, he's totally functional, you know, very successful, but he, he had these demons that he, mm-hmm. you know, struggled with. And finally, when he wrote his story, you know, you know, it became clear, yeah, this had a huge impact on him and it had an impact on us. 
Um, so, you know, but just to look at the past and how our ancestors, you know, mm -hmm. went through hard times and came through it and what we, without even knowing it, have learned from their own experiences. Oh, and that's so true. I mean, I think so many times we forget or we just don't realize how much our lives are touched and even molded by the people that came before us. Yeah, definitely. You know, down to the little I was asking my mom once why we put chocolate chips in the freezer and she didn't know so I asked my grandma and she said well it's because when I was growing up we just had an ice box and if we didn't put them in the ice box they would have melted on the counter because we didn't have air conditioning so here I am like what two generations later living in air conditioning still putting chocolate chips in the freezer and not knowing why <laughs> I love that yeah so yeah. yeah it goes a lot with what you're saying in those threads that get woven um, but so PTSD sounds like that's a, a big part of your story. Yeah. Right. So yeah. how, how much research did you have to do on PTSD and how does that in your, in your story equate with the concept of hope? Yeah. So in the historical thread, you know, during, well, after World War I, they called it shell-shocked. You know, they had no concept of PTSD. PTSD and people were really shamed. You know, they were seen as being weak in character, you know, all sorts of things. If if it was bad enough, they couldn't function in society. They, you know, were just kind of sent away, you know, and kept in some type of a home. Um, so, so it was really interesting to read about that. And I had read about that some. Um, and then when World War II veterans came back, I mean, nobody talked about it. Like my dad came home, enrolled in college graduated, um, became a forest service ranger, mm. you know, and he, he, we knew like little tiny stories, mostly from my mom about mm. his World War II experience. And then it wasn't until he retired that he finally started talking about it. And then it wasn't, I did a ton of research on Vietnam because I've always been fascinated mm -hmm. with the Vietnamese people in the war and all that. And, and it wasn't until I was reading about Vietnamese soldiers with PTSD that it hit me that that was, you know, that that was part of my dad's story. Yeah. So, so I feel like I've been researching it, you know, for years. Okay. Um, but then my husband is retired army reserve. Oh. Um, and he, um, he was in Afghanistan for a year. Mm -hmm. He was the commander of the field hospital. Mm -hmm. So he retired as a colonel. So his experience was different, but he was definitely in a war zone. He had, you know, people on his camp that were killed, you know, by rockets, he had rockets coming in from Pakistan. And it was so interesting. He was 50 when he served in Afghanistan. It was interesting to see him come home because he was definitely, you know, traumatized in some ways. He had a nurse who was killed by a rocket, you know, just mm. hard things happen. But I could just see at his maturity level that he processed it differently than mm. someone who was really young. Sure. Um, so, so as far as the research, you know, just a lot of reading about it. My character in the, his, or the contemporary thread and Threads of Hope, Danielle, um, not only does she serve in Iraq and um, not only is she injured, but she's also sexually attacked while in mm -hmm. the military, mm -hmm. which is a huge issue for yes. women in the military, you know, and finally, it seems like it's being dealt with, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, talk about PTSD, that mm -hmm. just, that's just another layer yeah. to it. So I explore that some. Right. Yeah. And that's such an important thing to bring into the light too, because I think you know, even as, as other females, we don't realize the additional stressors that are on female um, military service 
personnel. Um, and yeah, that's great that you're bringing that to light. Um, that's awesome. So how in, in your experience and in your story, how do you find hope after the effects of war? I mean, because war is like one of the most dreadful things I think anyone could witness. Right. And, you know, hear that it's happening, you know, once again in Ukraine, oh, it's so yes. devastating. You think all these children who are being traumatized and mm -hmm. people losing their lives. Yeah. Well, okay. I think hope is in community mm -hmm. and in individual relationships. Yeah. And I think it's in, and, you know, of course, healing from the Lord, but he, he heals us through relationships, you yeah. know, it's relational healing. Yeah. So I think it's, it's really important for people who, you know, no matter where the PTSD has come from, to be able to be in community with other people who understand, truly understand what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't understand what my husband went through. I, I was able to Skype with him almost every day, which was just, you know, incredible. And I, sometimes we were Skyping and a rocket would land and I would hear the boom and his hooch would shake and he would say, I gotta go. And then I wouldn't hear from him for another 24 hours. You know, so, you know, like virtually sometimes I was there, but I still can't really understand what he went through. But he has, a, you know, he has a couple buddies that when he gets together with them, you know, I can just see that healing taking place. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just that this is someone who really understands, you know, what it was like and what he went through. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I saw that in my dad. So, you know, he didn't talk about the war, you know, and then he wrote his story up and, uh, college professor combined it with the story of an officer in his unit okay and 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 then it was published by the University of Alabama um and then he and as he was writing it he started getting in contact with these men that he hadn't seen you know for decades and then they started going to reunions together you know and all of this community started to be rebuilt so you know here in World War too. They were in their early 20s, mm -hmm. late teens, and then here they are in their 50s, 60s, and they're getting back together. And yeah. I saw a lot of healing take place for my dad through, yeah. you know, through those relationships. Yeah. Um, so, and then I think it's somebody who, you know, is related to somebody with PTSD, somebody who loves someone with PTSD. And I just, I think it's really important, you know, learn about it, educate yourself, you know, understand, you know, there are just, there are some things that, you know, it's just the way it is and there are things you can do to help. So like when we go in a restaurant, I always sit with my back to the door so my husband can watch the door. Mm -hmm. you know? And that that's, you know, I just know that's how we do it, you know, yeah. Yeah. That, that that just makes him feel, you know, like he can see everything that's going on. Right. You know, so, so that's just a little small example. But. I love that. Let's talk about that some more in just a little bit. We need to take a break. And when we come back, okay. let's talk about ways that those of us who haven't experienced war or haven't experienced PTSD can help offer hope without um, asking or saying the wrong thing or just, you know, expressing our ignorance, but actually being able to come alongside individuals who struggle with that. So let's chat about that when we come back. Okay. Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. 
Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. And we're back with Leslie Gould, and we have been having a very in-depth conversation today about PTSD and finding hope and the sacrifice that our military personnel really do offer on our behalf as um, civilians in the United States and for others around the world. So we were talking a little bit about being able to come alongside those who have PTSD. And you brought up a great example of sitting with your back to the wall in a restaurant so that your husband can see the door and just be aware of what's going on in his surroundings. What other ways can those of us who can't relate to military personnel or war veterans or people with PTSD, what are, what are things we can do to help help come alongside? Yeah, great. Okay, first I have to say I'm no expert. You know, this is the problem with being a writer. We do a lot of research and we read a lot, but it, it doesn't make us experts. There, there's some really good books out there, but I but I can share, you know, what I've read and what yes. I've learned. I think the first thing that's really important is to be compassionate. Mm. Um, and I, and you know, as I'm saying these things, it's like, oh, I hope I do this. <laughs> um, and I know everybody has their limits. So, you know, caretakers, you know, people in relationships with people have been traumatized, you have to take care of yourself too. Mm -hmm. You know, and if there are times when you think, I just, I can't listen to this or I can't deal with it, you know, go take care of yourself. And then I think that's where community is so important. So that's not just one person. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I, I would say compassion and empathy are super important. And, uh, you know, if someone needs to talk, if you can listen, you know, listen. I also think, you know, professional help Absolutely. You know, there, there are groups, my husband and a friend of his who had a son who was in the army and was killed in Iraq, led a, a group through, um, through a church we were kind of affiliated with. And it was a recovery group and it was for people with PTSD. And I think that's, you know, that sort of thing or through the VA or, you know, another organization is just a great way to form community and to be able to share stories and listen to other people. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, just like individually in community, but then I think like nationally, um, you, you know, we have so many veterans who suffer from mm -hmm. PTSD that are homeless, um, you know, and, and trauma can lead to addiction. Yeah. You know, if people start self-medicating and I, I think, you know, be empathetic toward that. Don't, you know, don't judge people and say, you know, I can't they get their life together. Think, wow, they have been super traumatized. Mm -hmm. They did that for our country. You know, what can we do to help them? Right. So I think, you know, support people individually, support communities mm -hmm. that provide services and opportunities. And then just look at the national level. What, what do we need to do to, you know, address um, the VA issues to address addiction and certainly not just in the military you know any anybody who's been traumatized as a child is more likely you know absolutely to have PTSD and right. more likely to fall into addiction mm -hmm. and you know other issues too so yeah. no and that's really true I mean there's so much trauma in this world in reality and there's so many people suffering from it and yet we can kind of draw, like you said, those blanket judgments of, well, just get your life together and it wouldn't be so bad, but it's not always that easy. No, no people can't snap out of this. No. You know, 
they need professional help. And, you know, people can't pull themselves up by the bootstraps if they right. don't have any bootstraps. Right. If they don't have community, if they don't have services. Yeah. Know, well, and that's one of the things that I love about Amish fiction coming back to what you write is there is such a strong threat of community within the Amish world from what I've read anyway. Yes. Yes. And, you know, community within their own groups, mm-hmm. um, their own districts, all of that. And then their larger groups that there's so many relationships and interactions between the different groups of Amish, um, you know, but also a commitment to um, to help, you know, people, they'll send, you know, groups of people down when there's a hurricane, you know, mm-hmm. to be held, you know, and yeah. or a tornado, you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So there's really this larger vision of community too, of service mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the whole. So. Yeah, and I think that's something with the hustle and bustle of life in the the world that we live in, which is not the plain world, but we get lost sometimes and we don't have time for community anymore because we're just so busy. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's great to settle down with a, a good piece of fiction that um, has community in it, has hope in it, and also, it sounds like tackles a pretty deep, deep topic in, in this book, The Threads of Hope. Yeah. And, I, you know, um, in the dual time Amish fiction that I've written, um, you know, most of the historical thread takes place during war or some kind of catastrophe you sure. know, because mm-hmm. the stakes are high and all of that. But, you know, I really like to juxtapose what life was like for the Amish during that time period to what it was like for the average American. Yeah. And, just because it shows, you know, so highly the differences with the Amish, you know, they're non-resistant, you know, the idea is not to be a soldier, not to go fight in war. So what happens when somebody chooses to do that? Wow. Yeah. What is the response of the community? And then, you know, can that person be brought back into the community? You know, those sorts of things. Wow. Now I really want to go out and read this book. Well, this is great. And it's been a good conversation um, and an important one too. Um, And I think as believers and as followers of the Lord, it's so important to constantly remember the concept of community um, because Christ created the church for that very reason to be a body um, to work together. So, so readers who want to find out more about you, where, where can they go? Yeah. um, LeslieGould.com. Um, Leslie Gould author on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, So, you know, just the usual places, but, you know, go to LeslieGould.com and you can link to all those places. So, and I run contests on my, uh, on my website. I try to do it once a month. (laughs) How am I going to get my April newsletter out? (laughs) If not, it'll come out in May, but I do run contests. I love to give away books and, you know, that sort of thing. So, you're a fun person to hang out with and get to know. So I'm sure the readers will be blessed when they do that as well. And some good reading because you've written how many books now? You know, it's over 40. Oh, yeah. 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 So there's a great backlist that we can, once you get yeah. kind of Leslie Gould book, you've got some some good reading ahead. <laughs> that means I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> That's awesome. Kids were little. <laughs> oh, I love hearing those stories because it gives me hope that I can keep doing it for a while myself. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, for being with us today here at Madlet Musings and for sharing um, from your heart. And we look forward to seeing more books come out from you in the future. Okay. Thank you so much, Jamie Jo. Yeah, this was fun. (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com. <laughs>